Serving Southeast Ohio. AM 970 and 97.1 FM. WATH Another beautiful morning in Southeast Ohio. Presently 68 degrees. Only headed up to 79 today. 80 tomorrow, 84 Wednesday. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It keeps climbing. Peaks out on Friday at 90. But looking ahead, the only mention of rain is next weekend. Sunshine sure looks nice outside. All right. Well, good morning, folks. Welcome. It is, um, let's see here. June 27th, a Monday. You got them all right. Um, 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 oh, there turn we your go. mic on. There you, you go. You got them all right. What did I do? What What do you mean? You said it's a beautiful morning. It's Monday, June 27th. Yeah. You got them all right. 9.15 in the uh, morning. You're Welcome, folks. Welcome. <laughs> Let's see here. And you're right. It is a beautiful morning. On June 27th, 2022, our national day calendar. Right? Yes. Today is National PTSD Awareness Day. Now let's just take a moment there. Post traumatic stress disorder. Disorder. And, you know, initially we heard that that was largely caused by military incidents. You know? Yes. But now they're finding that it also has had effects with just some people in the ordinary life, so to speak. Yes. With traumatic events. And l- l- just Google up um, PTSD. We will Google her up. I know of someone. I don't know them very closely. But that has a severe case. And it's related to... It happens to be a woman. And she had military service. And it is... How do I want to put it? I don't think she's ever going to have the life she did before. You know what I mean? Yes. I hope I'm not being too weird when I say it like that. But it has affected her ability to do so many things that she used to do well. Really a sad thing. So what'd you come up with? Uh, PTSD 
It uh, may include uh, nightmares or unwanted memories of the trauma, avoidance of situations that bring back memories of that trauma, heightened reaction, anxiety, or a depressed mood. Yeah. It also experience flashbacks, fear, uh, severe anxiety or mistrust, mood loss. This person that I'm thinking of was in combat. And, um, well, it's a uh, definition mental health condition triggered by a terrifying event causing flashbacks, nightmares, and severe anxiety. Well, let's go on. So, today is National PTSD Awareness Day, it's National Sunglasses Day. That's real important. National Ice Cream Cake Day. Yum. Yeah, that's a little more important. National Orange Blossom Day. National Onion Day. And National HIV Testing Day. So, um, there you go. Orange Blossom is the state flower of Florida. I'm not surprised. And uh, I tell you, they can offer health benefits, too. Makes a delicious tea or water. May improve sleep, reduced anxiety, and improved circulation. Hmm. Putting orange blossoms in heated water, mm-hmm. like a tea. Yeah. Huh. Or pour, put the blossoms on a strainer, pour the warm water over that, put them down in there. I just can't imagine they're having enough flavor to appeal to me. I, but maybe maybe it's full of flavor. I just don't yeah. Know. You maybe have to put that on the list. Yeah. To try out. Experiment. They're very All right. fragrant. On this day in history, and of course, once again, we're talking about June twenty seventh. But the year 1542, Juan Rodriguez Cabrillo set sail from the Mexican port of Navidad to explore the west coast of North America on behalf of the Spanish Empire. 1743, the War of the Austrian Succession, Battle of Dettingen. Dedigan, Dedigen, Dettigen, something like that, which occurred in Bavaria. King George II of Britain personally leads troops into battle. The last time a British monarch commanded troops in the field. 1929, the first color TV demo. It was performed by Bell Labs, Bell Laboratories, in New York City. My dad told me a little bit about that. I think he was uh, present for that demonstration. 1950, North Korean troops reach Seoul 
Korea, of course. The UN asks members to aid South Korea. Harry Truman orders U.S. Air Force and Navy into Korean conflict. All on that same same moment, really. 1954, the first atomic power station opens. Where was it located? Near Moscow in Russia. 1574, so very young. Charles IX was King of France from 1560 until his passing in 1574 from tuberculosis. Mm -hmm. He ascended the throne of France upon the death of his brother Francis II in 1560. After decades of tension, war broke out between Protestants and Catholics after the massacre of Vassy in 1562. Right. Can you imagine becoming king at the age of 10? <laughs> no. All I cared about was playing baseball and chasing around yard games yeah, at that you, time. You, we think of kings as, you know, if they should request something, by golly, you better get it. Yeah. Can you, Can you imagine a 10-year-old in that position? Yeah, there'd be lots of ice cream in the palace, wouldn't there? Popcorn, uh, pizza, something. video games. Well, not then, but yeah. now there would be. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Paul Lawrence Dunbar. And uh, he was born in 1872 on this date. He died in 1906. Paul Lawrence Dunbar was an American poet, novelist, and short story writer of the late 19th and 20th centuries, born in Dayton, Ohio, to parents who had been enslaved in Kentucky before the American Civil War. Dunbar began writing stories and verse when he was a child. Hmm. He was born in Dayton and passed in Dayton. Next one is a name well known to me. I've done several shows, uh, plays. Helen Keller. She was born on this date in 1880 and died in 1968. Um, Helen Adams Keller was an American author, disability rights advocate, political activist, and lecturer. Be, uh, born in West Tuscumbia, Alabama, she lost her sight and her hearing after a bout of illness at the age of 19 months. I believe my mother worked with her a bit. Um, I believe there's a story there that I just have forgotten. Okay, the last one is Toby McGuire. 
who's celebrating his 47th birthday today. Now, he looks very familiar. Why do I know him? Well, he is an actor. Isn't it? Yeah. And uh, he's been in some pretty popular films, such as Spider-Man. Yeah. Tobias Vincent McGuire is an American actor and film producer, best known for playing the title character from Spider-Man's trilogies, a role he later reprised in Spider-Man, No Way Home. And uh, he's been, I think, in four of those, I want to say. And some of the TV shows he's been in include Roseanne and uh, The Great Gatsby, Extras. All right, two famous deaths to mention. One is someone that's not familiar to me. Well, frankly, neither one of these are. But let's learn about them. Alfonso V of Aragon, A-R-A-G-O-N, Alfonso. P-H or F in Alfonso? F. Now, he... These are death dates. So he died in 1458. They don't have a birth date for him. A little bit unusual. But Alfonso V, so I'm assuming that's for the Roman Roman numeral 5 of Aragon. Uh, He was in art and administration like many Renaissance rulers. Alfonso V was a patron of the arts. Hmm. He founded the Academy of Naples under Giovanni Potano. <laughs> that's a cool name. Yeah, isn't it? And for his entrance into the city in 1443, he had a magnificent triumphal arch added to the main gate of Castel Nuovo. Okay, one more here, and again, someone I'm not familiar with. Maybe I should be, though. Sophie Germain, born in 1776, but died on this date in 1831. Marie-Sophie Germain was a French mathematician, physicist, and philosopher. Despite initial opposition from her parents and difficulties, uh, difficulties presented by society, she gained education from her books. You mean her parents were kind of opposed to her being well-educated? Apparently so. I'm going to try to find some expansion on that. Difficulties presented by society. She gained education from books in her father's library and from correspondence with famous mathematicians. One of the pioneers of elasticity theory. She won the grand prize from the Paris Academy of Sciences for her essay on the subject. Hmm. How about that? Elasticity. Oh, let's see. She was recommended to be awarded an honorary degree from the Paris Academy of Sciences, but that never occurred because she passed from breast cancer. Well, let's turn our attention to the news. And uh, once again, let me mention the temperature right now is 70 degrees outside our Columbus Road studios here. 
we're going to climb up nine more degrees, they say, and it'll be a sunny day. Tomorrow, one notch more, 80 degrees. 84 on Wednesday, 88 on Thursday, 90 on Friday. Saturday, there's a mention of some thunderstorms. It won't be quite as high as the 90, sort of in the 80s. And Sunday, some light rain. So, plan your weekend. Get that grass cut, which I'm sure you did over the weekend. I did some. I didn't do my normal run because, well, to be perfectly honest, it hadn't grown that much. And uh, so Grace and I compared notes and decided, <laughs> no, let's wait a few days. <laughs> no lawnmower races over the weekend? Not this weekend. <laughs> well, it's been so hot, you know, the last, last week, during the week, it you know, obviously doesn't grow that much. Well, we had a good rain, though, last evening, didn't we? Did you get a lot of rain? Yes, sir. I think that um, it'll need to be cut in a few days. Yeah. All right. Um, in the news. Oslo. That's Norway, folks. One of our exchange students that we've hosted over the years was from Norway. Real fine fellow. He might be coming to Athens here in a few weeks. I'm not sure yet. For my wife's uh, memorial service. Anyway... Two people were killed and 21 others injured Saturday after a mass shooting in the entertainment district of Oslo, Norway. Officials say the attack is being investigated as an act of terrorism, with the gunman said to have targeted LGBTQ pride festivities that were taking place in the Norwegian capital. So police arrested 42-year-old Zanier Matapur immediately after the shooting. Officials say the suspect had lived in the country for more than two decades, having relocated from the Kurdish region of Iran. Norwegian officials said they became aware of Matapur in 2015 as a potentially having been radicalized as part of an online Islamic extremist group. And let me just take a break there. The internet is so helpful so useful, so full of information. We rely on it heavily during this show. But you know, 
it's also full of a lot of stuff that's not good. And if you get if you're curious about something that in the old days would be hard to learn about with the advent of the internet and googling you can search up just about any awful thing you can think of. Or organization that believes in this or that that would be contrary to popular thinking. Or it is just downright illegal. It's a great tool, but it's also a great um, information source of things that are bad, too. Well, let's go on. This attack, we're talking, we're back to Norway now. The attack was the first mass shooting in Norway in more than a decade and came during events marking the 50th anniversary of the country's de decriminalization of homosexuality. Be scary, wouldn't it? Yes. To be somewhere where you, <clears throat> obviously, when these things seem to happen, they're soft targets. Norway is a beautiful place. Yep. What a shame. Yes. Every, any place, it would be a shame. Yep. All right. Let's talk about abortions. Sure been a lot of talk about that lately. Demonstrators gathered in a number of U.S. cities over the weekend, protesting against the Friday release of a Supreme Court decision overturning Roe versus Wade. The decision made in the Mississippi case of Dobbs versus Jackson effectively ends federal protections for abortion procedures, returning regulation to the states. The ruling created a ripple effect across a number of states that have trigger laws on the book. South Dakota, Louisiana, Kentucky, had laws banning the procedure, with some exceptions. And those took even greater effect immediately following the court decision, the Supreme Court's decision. And we would mention that there are other trigger laws that are set to kick in very <coughs> shortly. Observers say an open question is the use of pills that cause medically induced abortions. U.S. health regulators have approved the use of the medication up to 10 weeks of pregnancy. More than half of the U.S. abortions happen by pill, data suggests. Well... 
what is your thought, Scott? Why, why did the Supreme Court do it? Well, and maybe you don't have a thought on that. I, I, I've seen so many uh, news items, both pro and con, about that. Yeah. Now, you know, I, you know, you. It's such a man, such a sensitive subject that it, if you say one thing one way, it's going to upset a group of people. If you say one thing the other way, it's going to upset the other group, which seems to happen frequently in our country. Thus, the division we have. You know, I'm, I'm all about women's health, protecting a woman's health. Yes. Um, is it right to abort a life? Well, if you ask God, God will say no, that he gave that child, you know, to whoever conceived this. Uh, you know, you don't know the circumstances behind what happened. Um, but again, you know, you've got women's abortion rights to look at, to be fair about that. And again, you know, like, like you say, anything you say one way or the other, it's going to upset somebody. Mm -hmm. However, um, this ruling from, from what I understand and what I've heard on the news and reports and every place else that you can get information is basically sending this back to the states to let states decide. You know, they, which tells me that they are not fully done with this. Um, you know, on, on the federal level, they ruled it unconstitutional to the Supreme Court. However, I think a lot of people may be missing the point that you still have a chance to vote on this or, again, um, despite all the uproar and protests and everything else, the Supreme Court basically has sent this back to the states to let each state decide what they want in, in terms of the legalities of abortion. Why do you think it resurfaced? Um, this had been decided. Yeah, like 50 years ago or something like that. Uh, I don't know how long, but um, states did have their sub-rules, but the general topic had been set at a national level years ago. Why a reversal? Well, apparently it has something to do with uh, Mississippi law. Um, there was a dispute over that in 2018 that um, the legislature there in Mississippi banned abortions after 15 weeks. So that's what started it all was a, a Mississippi law that was uh, developed by their legislature, their state legislature. And the opposition to that apparently pushed it all the way up to the Supreme Court. Well, you know, there are many cases where this could have happened improperly. 
let's say um, what is what's a really bad example? Incest. Yeah. Okay. Where a male, let's say, in a family. It's a daughter or a niece or something like that. Pregnant. Just because, basically, to use the word, he's horny, right? <laughs> I can't believe I said that on the I end. can't either. But I'd, uh, I'd say he's demented Okay. more than anything else. That's or probably a perverted. So now, this youngster, or could be a teen, I don't know, whatever. I mean, there's a place for abortion and a need for it when it's really creating havoc on people's lives. On the other hand, should it just be done casually? No. I think each case requires thinking. Imagine that. Well, this is a delicate topic, and we probably shouldn't have even opened it up. But it's it's on it's on our nation's mind right now. Okay, let's see here. About 16 minutes remaining in today's program. The Colorado Avalanche won the Stanley Cup last night, beating the defending champion Tampa Bay Lightning 2-1 in Game 6 of the National Hockey League Finals. It marks the franchise's third championship and its first since the 2000-2001 season. The title marks the culmination of a red-hot postseason for Colorado, led by star defensive phenom Kale Makar and center Nathan McKinnon. The Avalanche lost only four games during the playoffs while sweeping both the Nashville Predators and the Edmonton Oilers. They were doing well. Makar, who's one of the league's youngest stars, 23 he is, won the Conn Smith Trophy at the playoffs most va- as the playoffs' most valuable <coughs> player. <coughs> oh, <laughs> afterwards, you know how they have the big cup, the the trophy. Uh, They say it wasn't all smooth sailing for Colorado. Wing Nicholas Abi Gubel slipped and dented the cup en route to celebration photos. It seems like they always do that every year (laughs) after they hoist the cup. I hadn't realized that. Oh, they bang that thing around and... Yeah, they, they. I've seen them fall on the ice. Well, maybe, maybe you have to do it. It's a tradition. I uh, maybe, but they they get it straightened out. They have to send it oh, to, to be a, repaired. Yeah, to a silversmith or.
blacksmith or somebody like that to have the, have the dents pounded out of it or removed from it. Mm. But it seems like you read about something like that every year. Or when they travel with it, if it ends up in different places, it gets dropped. But things so big, you know, and probably weighs, I don't know, 50 to 100 pounds, I bet. I bet that thing's, what, three, four feet tall? It's big. Yeah. If you don't know what it looks like, folks, it's a cylinder with uh, graduated smaller circular rings toward the top. And, and, it, and it has little handles off to the side, right? I don't think it does. Maybe I'm thinking of a different one. Yeah, but it's, you know, it's they hold it from one end to the other and hoist it over their head, and they don't always have very good control of it. Yeah. A lot of people celebrating. All right, we've got a caller. Good morning. Good morning. I have a big question for you guys. Right. You, you heard on this morning's news with uh, your guy, and it, it's been announced on different uh, signs along the way. When they closed Route 52 and 33 at Stimson area to remodel it, they give you a detour way. Can someone tell me what that detour would mean if I wanted to go here to Oblenis or something like that? You don't know yet. Well, no. Oh, okay. Well. When when was that going to start? It starts today. Okay. Well, we'll last till October of 23 or something like that. I'll try to tell you tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> I I tried to read it, Barry. I'll tell you what. You you need to be a a scientist to figure out some of that stuff. <laughs> right. Well, even this, the even the signage leading up to it was confusing. Yeah, I mean, I it I read it very slowly, and I was felt like I was going in circles. Well, I know we had to go, do some going around and getting off and getting on again one other time in the past. It may be similar to that, but I'm not sure it is. Can you hold on a minute? My other half wants to ask you something. Well, hang hang on. To, uh, just very quickly. Um, oh, she she changed her mind. Okay. Um, the from what I understand, when I read the the uh, the route changes and the detours, and everything that when you get to Stimson, uh, let's say you're coming across the bridge, you know, from KFC and Sonic right there. Good good point. Okay, then then you apparently it's going to be closed right there underneath the overpass so we're going to have to turn right toward county road 25 that rock riffle yep and then go underneath 33 and then uh somehow get back up on the entrance but i thought well that's not going to work because there's no entrance ramp from rock riffle right oh is that what we're hearing i was hearing something nice and i heard it before somewhere along the way, but they haven't put it in the paper. You would think of everything that was put in the messenger yesterday, they could have at least had a front-page article on this closure and and a map and all that kind well, of stuff. Well, they may not know, you know? Uh, okay. Well, no, they, they know. They, they, oh, you think so? Uh, well, here's something else that I thought, too. Okay, so you keep, instead of turning on uh, Rock Riffle, you get, keep going up on the entrance to 50 yeah. and 33, because I've noticed they've taken away the edge lines right, all the way out to the Richland Avenue exit. Right. Which I'm thinking that uh, they're going to make us go out that way. 
and then go take the exit there, go down towards Richland, and back up on the entrance to 50-33-32, and then come back that way. Oh, oh that's going to be a pain. That's, yeah, that's no, for, going to be a pain. For us little... that live in Athens, we can just go over to Stimson Avenue and take the long route along the bike path through OU's land. Yeah. That would be an easy way, I think. Yeah. Or you could just cut through the side streets there. And they talk about another roundabout for Stimson Avenue. We already have one there. This one must be on the other side of the river. I don't know. Yeah, did you hear about the new roundabout at Stimson? It's going to take till October of 23 to finish all this, so... So we'll be used to it, and we'll forget how we used to are do we, it. Are we talking <laughs> out there past White's Mill, or are we talking about oh, You said else? Stimson, didn't you? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Maybe they, at they, the South Y? They just said uh, Stimson Avenue will be getting another roundabout. Could it be up there where it intersects with East State Street and Carpenter? Up in there? I don't know. Oh. Oh, I'm, what uh, about the South Y? That's not Stimson. Oh, Stimson, Stimson, Stimson. Yeah, yeah. They, the one already. I think they finally are getting permission to put the fire company there, and maybe a, a police station there, and a service safety place or something all, all along there where the fire department's going to go. I've read that in yesterday's paper. But yep, I saw that. Whoa, that's going to be nice. But okay. Anyway. If uh, if you get more news about this, let us know. Well, I think that's the, the the plan is to detour all the way out to where I said the Richland Avenue exit, and then come back up at the South Y there, come back up on the entrance, and then go that way to detour to go on to 50 East. Right. It's like to to go down 682 or whatever. That is. We may know a lot more in 24 hours. Right, but it, you're going to hear it. A lot of screaming and complaining, I guess. Oh, well. But it's one of those things, I'm, I want to know how to do this, so if I want to go that way, I'll, I'll forget that <laughs> another way. Okay. Well, I, I think thanks, be nice. thanks very much. Sure. Yeah, yeah sure. I think it would be nice to get those speed bumps out of there. You know, I know they're not speed bumps, but where the joints meet the bridges oh. o- over the river and then over uh, East State Street, yeah, you know, those things, are they build back up and then, I, I think they build them up enough, but then heavier vehicles hit them, and then they make those uh, those blacktop layers right there bounce up, so to speak, or make them mound up, and then they doesn't matter whether you hit them at 45 miles an hour or 55. It, you know, it's quite a jolt to mm. the vehicle there. So I think uh, I, well, I was talking to Mayor Patterson about this, and he he seemed to think that was going to be a part of that whole renovation there at that intersection that they would eventually get to those too so anyway we'll let us hope see what transpires moving on here um back into the national news scene and and roe versus wade and all that sort of thing um but i'm now using the new york times as a source um Adam Liptak, who's a reporter for the Times, specifically covers the Supreme Court. 
describes the five Republican-appointed justices besides Chief Justice John Roberts as an impatient, ambitious majority. They have rejected Roberts' more cautious approach of deciding cases narrowly and shifting the law slowly. The five instead prefer to set American law as they believe it should be set, even when they must overrule long-standing precedent. To do otherwise, they believe, is dishonest. So, after overturning Roe v. Wade on Friday, the obvious question is, what other legal challenges or changes might soon be coming? Initial attention has focused on the possibility that the court may soon restrict LGBT rights, contraception access, or interracial marriage. All of those issues involve some of the same logic that led to the abortion decision, as both Justice Clarence Thomas and the three liberal justices pointed out in their writings accompanying that decision. But those are not actually the hot-button issues that the court is likely to consider next. Um, so what about Kavanaugh's position? What about affirmative action? And, and there's more. It really... Um, folks, you might find the New York Times, what they call the morning report. Most often it's um, headed up by David Leonard. Uh, go to the Internet and take a look. And some of these things may be of interest to you and or you find them concerning or maybe even good ideas. We do have a report entitled um, The Best and Worst Places for Fourth of July Celebrations. We may get into more detail on this tomorrow. But what city would you guess is number one for celebrating the 4th of July. Oh, let's see. Do I go East Coast or West Coast? Nationwide. Nationwide. I'll say somewhere in California. I'll pick uh, San Francisco. You are right on it. <laughs> San Francisco. San Francisco is number one. What a lucky guess. Los Angeles, number two. Number three. Our nation's capital, Washington, D.C. That was my second pick. Number four, Atlanta. Number five, Las Vegas. Number six. <laughs> wait a minute. Now hush. Uh, Las Vegas, I said, was sixth. No, fifth. New York City, sixth. Okay, so what's the highest ranking Ohio city? Want to guess? Columbus, no. red, white, and boom. C Cincinnati. Oh. At 16. 
Cleveland at 25, Columbus at 36. Now, Red, White, and Boom, I've attended probably a half dozen times. It is spectacular. Oh, it's wonderful. I love fireworks. But they're not just talking about the one celebration. They're talking about all sorts of events. Yeah. Well, so, I know WEBN in Cincinnati sponsors a huge fireworks show. So I'm not surprised that Cincinnati's number one. Fireworks on the river. It, I think they're towed in by a barge. I think that's... They do. Uh, there's a lot of barge uh, stuff. Yeah. I think that's done in uh, at Red, White, and Boom as well. Yes, it is. On the Scioto, is yep. it? Yep. Right in front of the old Central High School. <laughs> anyway, um, what's uh, what's your favorite city of all, personally? Oh, favorite of all? Oh, my. Um, we got one minute. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll go with Myrtle Beach. I was going to say cities I've been to or would like to go to. <laughs> well, let me scan through here. Myrtle Beach. How about you? Pick one before we run out of time. No, I'm doing your thing first. Okay. I don't even see Myrtle Beach listed on here. <laughs> um, okay, uh, folks, I'm sorry. I would have to say Honolulu. Uh, that was a, my second pick. I lived there three years. It's wonderful. All right. Well, we're out of time. We'll do some more tomorrow, and we hope you always find this show interesting. Be careful out there. Temperature's going to be nice, 79. In our 72nd year of serving Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM. WATH FM's. CBS News on the Hour, presented by Indeed.com. I'm Deborah Rodriguez. Women are weighing in after a weekend of processing a historic Supreme Court decision overturning Roe v. Wade. This woman in favor of abortion rights tells CBS Mornings. I'm frustrated for the women that won't be allowed to have the choice, that they are being told what to do by someone that doesn't know them or their circumstances. Another is applauding the change. Different people want different things. So I actually think that the best way to be able to minister to women and give them what they need is by having it be at the state level. Women in at least eight states can no longer get legal abortions today. Some employers have offered to cover expenses for women who travel out of state for the procedure. But CBS's Jim Crisula says there may be legal implications. Legal experts say the growing number of large U.S. companies that have said they will pay workers abortion-related travel costs could expose them to lawsuits and even potential criminal liability. Companies will face a patchwork of state laws and are likely to face pushback from anti-abortion groups and Republican-led states. The Supreme Court has just rejected another bid by Baird to dismiss lawsuits alleging Roundup causes cancer. Justices have left in place a lower judgment awarding $87 million to a California